Hi and welcome. You are listening to Lift and I am your host, Jen. Lift is all the things from love, inspire, fitness, and trust. These are the things that motivate me to be a better person and to do better. Follow me through my journey as I interview mentors of mine, entrepreneurs and business owners, fitness experts, mental health professionals, friends that have overcome addictions and life struggles. Hopefully this will be a place of solitude and relaxation as you follow me through my journey. So sit back, relax, take a listen, and thanks for following me. excited today. I'm trying to hold my excitement back because I have Alex and Janie Dominguez. Am am I saying that correctly? Yes. Yes. I have them in my living room. This is happening. I'm so grateful that you guys are here. I have a list of questions. I'm just going to start shooting off, but um, how are you guys doing today? We're good. Are you good? We're good. Glad to be here. (laughs) We're great. <laughs> yeah, the microphone is on. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I just took a picture, and I'll have to post this, but Charlie, my dog, my oldest Boston Terrier, is right in the middle of this conversation, literally in between Janie and Alex. So he uh, he's he lacks attention, so this is his way of getting attention. So this is going to be so much fun. I'm so grateful you guys came. Is this a little weird, sitting in my house and not knowing me and... No, it's, no, you. Ja- no pressure. No, Darren's spoken. She loves you and speaks highly of you, and so I was excited. Yeah, yeah. To do I had this. Darren on uh, a few weeks ago, and every uh, the feedback from her podcast has been from her episode has been outstanding. So she really helped me out, and it was great and fun. Your daughter is completely amazing. We can have our own episode on that one because she has done just amazing things for me opportunities for me but um she's as you know is just a great person so yeah so she gave me a list of questions and i have my own questions too but um i just want to know how long have you guys been married 32 32 years 32 years years. we've known each other for 33 we were married exactly a year to the the day day we we met met. really yeah did you meet here in atlanta nope (laughs) No. Nope. <laughs> Janie, you're from Atlanta, right? I am. You're... Seventh generation. I know Darren <clears throat> talks about that, that she was born at Northside Hospital. I'm Atlanta born. We met actually in Bermuda. We, we met on the Love Boat Cruise. Uh, no way. I'm serious. The sixth annual Love Boat met, Cruise? We met on the sixth annual <laughs> Love Boat Cruise. Of and course we met, you did. And we met in Bermuda. Were you we were on living, cruise? We were living in Atlanta, but we met in Bermuda. Were you there on like different like date like with other people, or and then you came together? So or it was just Gary McKee in the morning show. This was he had a, an annual love boat cruise that he that set sail, and this one was out of New York. <clears throat> I at the time was hired to work for the radio station, so I went with the group, the crew okay. from ninety four Q, which is. No Jane, longer existing. Jane was a VIP there. Um, I was along with a friend who had recently been divorced, and uh, he had asked me about three three months earlier, would I go on a cruise? And I was like, I'm not going on a cruise, not the love boat cruise. <laughs> and then three months after, he asked again, and I 
wasn't making much money and I knew that at least I would know how much I would spend on a cruise, so I thought I could do that. I've never been on a cruise. And so I went ahead and, and decided to go on the love boat cruise. And, and so, here Janie was with her ear blowing <coughs> in the wind on the ocean. That's, a, that's exactly right. Actually, <laughs> I saw her from a distance in New York at the airport, and she was wearing these gargoyle glasses that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, <laughs> wore in The Terminator, and she was wearing this white and long, beautiful hair. And I was like, oh my gosh, who... Who is this person? I, I bet she's with a multimillionaire here. <laughs> um, and then later found out she was actually on the cruise uh, with us. And she was part of the crew or the uh, uh, 94Q um, staff. Not staff, but she was a uh, voice on the radio. Okay. And, Bubba. Uh, and so we, so you, <laughs> so you can imagine, yeah, she was Bubba. She was, you know, one of those folks. It was short-lived. But... <laughs> So, so you can imagine uh, leaving out of New York Harbor, headed towards the Statue of Liberty. It's absolutely beautiful. It was, uh, let's see, it was in uh, August, right? No, well, J July. September. September, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, we married September. a year of the day yeah, that we September met, 4th. so it was September. I'm like, oh, what time okay. of year was we, it? It was beautiful. September 2nd. And uh, so we're sailing off and... Uh, I saw her come up these steps and I was just took my breath away. And then Gary McKee came over to my friend and I and said, Hey, there's this girl here that would like to meet you. And I was like, What? Her? And so I'll let Janie tell you. Well, Gary pretty much turned around the same and did the same thing to me and he said, There's a there's a guy up there that wants to meet you and I looked up and saw Alex and I, Alex just immediately when I saw him I could see kindness. And he, had, he just has really, there's something different and unique about Alex. It's interesting because before we actually set sail, I, I went to the fitness center to work out. <laughs> Charlie thinks so too. Charlie loves <laughs> this story. <laughs> you went, and to, went to the fitness center and, and I had, again, I had seen him already, but I went into the fitness center and I, heard, I kept hearing girls say, Alex, will you help me with this? <laughs> Alex, hey, and I, I looked around, I'm like, who is this Alex guy? And I just observed very early on, he's a gentleman, very much a gentleman, different, different from anybody I had seen in my 22 years of life. Mm. I was pretty young. Yeah. Something, Something stood, stood out. That yes. stood out, yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I was pretty young, though. Yeah. Wow, I think about it, 22 yeah. years. Yeah, that's <laughs> a baby. That is a baby. <laughs> I know but Jane, old enough to know, oh, you yeah, know, absolutely. right for wrong and yeah. what a good person is. Janie didn't stay there long. She worked out a little bit and then took off. And then the next thing that happened, we had a a uh, formal reception at the Bon Voyage parties, I guess what it's called. And everybody gets dressed up. And that, we were, I was dressed in a tux. Sure. And uh, so we got to the main dining room and the captain had its captain's table and all the VIPs, Gary McKee, Anita McKee, Janie, and all these folks were sitting up there. And I remember looking up and we made eye contact and I was like, wow. And that was it. She gave me a really pretty smile. She was wearing this beautiful yellow dress that I'll never forget. And then, um, and then the story kind of gets a little better. So um, you guys get off the boat and are you living in Atlanta too? Mm -hmm. Yes, I was leaving. So you're living. both living in Atlanta. In fact, we probably only lived about each. three or four miles apart, but I had never obviously Same. met her. Yeah. Wow. And, so you get uh, off the boat and do we're you actually, exchange We're actually sailing. 
Oh, no, no. The, like so, when the, the ship went How much time do you want to spend on this? Because I'm telling you, this could take the whole is, hour. I, I can tell you pretty quick. It's a quick. fun story. It's a fun story, so I'll, I'll try to make it quick. So the captain says, uh, join me at the bar for a bon voyage uh, bar cocktail party, whatever. It's only about 9 o'clock. And everybody heads to the bar, and I had already made eye contact, so I was a little awkward. I thought, I'll just find out what she's drinking, and I'll get her a drink. So I call the waiter over and ask to find out what she's drinking, what she likes. And he came back, I think, and he said, Pink Panther. So I started to say, can you, can you order her a Pink Panther? And she gets up. I'm standing at a double, like at a main entrance. I'm not inside the the bar yet but it's the, I'm right at the door and I see her sitting down she, and then she gets up and she starts walking straight towards me and I'm like oh my gosh she's coming straight at like I've just ordered a drink she's coming towards me yeah so maybe she's gonna tell me that's not her drink or whatever oh you had her drink no 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 the bar I had ordered it and the bartender had tried to make contact and before yeah and before the bartender right? could deliver anything she st- starts coming towards me and I'm standing there and she walks by, she taps my arm, and she says, good night. It's 9 o'clock, and I, <laughs> I am frozen in my shoes, and I can't speak. I can't say a word. She's like literally left me speechless. And she touched my arm, she said, good night. She gets in the elevator, and she leaves. And so, you know, a typical guy, I'm thinking, what a dummy. I can't believe I couldn't even say a word to her. I couldn't even say good night to her. So I felt so bad about myself, I drank the entire night. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I sure tried to get that time. No, I was drinking. I don't know what I was drinking, but it's got vodka and pineapple juice and. I don't think that was my else. recommended drink. I think the bartender suggested. Yeah. And okay, so I'd never had one before. <laughs> so I drank, I drank quite a bit that night, and, I, and it was more of out of encouraging myself to right. be brave next time. And I told myself, it doesn't matter where we are, what she's doing. You've got to be a man. You got to talk to her. So sure enough, I'm hungover. I go to the eat. I go to the cafeteria to eat the next morning, and I'm sitting there in line. And I look up, and she's sitting. She's standing right next to me. And I said, "You want to have breakfast together?" <laughs> I meet. That's all I could say. And she said, "Yes." <laughs> and then we sat down. That was uh, September the fourth. September the fourth. We were just making. We were just making landfall, I guess, or landing <laughs> that morning in Bermuda, and. Uh, and then we got together with Gary and Anita, and they said, "Would you guys want to do uh, mop- uh, mopeds? Not mopeds, but they do no. scooters, I guess. They were mopeds. Mopeds, uh, moped the island. And you're riding on the wrong side of the road. And so, British, so we're like, strange. absolutely. Yeah. And that's when we, we met. We spent the entire day together, and mm-hmm. then we spent the entire cruise together, uh, the entire time. It wasn't a very long time. It was about three mm-hmm. days. It's about yeah, three four days. Yeah. Is, now we can, we can end this episode. That's right. Like, that is a story. So, that was amazing. it. And everything's been perfect since. <laughs> uh, and then one year later, you married. We did. Exactly. So you, get, you get back to Atlanta. You figure out that you live so close to each other, which I think, wow. Yeah. Wow. That was totally meant to be. I yeah. love that story. That's a good story. Yes. So you have two children. You have Darren, who is older. She's yes. Older, She's our firstborn. And you have a son. I got pregnant two months after we got married. No way. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. Yeah. Her dad took me to Home Depot and said, uh, you need to wait several years and travel and really get to know each other. And 
She was already pregnant. I was already pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're ahead of you, Dad. So, and then, I never really listened to him much. And then to answer your question, we have Chase, who is almost five years younger than Darren. Yes. So we have a perfect girl and a perfect boy. And he's in Atlanta, too, right? He is. He is. I haven't met him. He's the last one I've met. <laughs> so I hope to meet him soon. Um, I want to know this, too. What are two things you hope to accomplish together that you have not yet? Um, you know, we, you want to jump in? <laughs> because it seems like neither one of us have an answer. <laughs> we are very much, uh, very supportive of one another in where we are. And I think what we love about our marriage is how his giftedness and my giftedness come together. Mm -hmm. This is a little bit of what we want to accomplish, which is being able to give our testimony and encourage other people, other yes. marriages, young marrieds, uh, just to be an encouragement to people to know that life doesn't have to be perfect to be great yeah and so this is part of that this podcast is a fun and wonderful opportunity for us to do part of that yeah. so thank you jen <clears throat> oh thank you yeah. thank you guys yeah That's for exactly me it's probably, this is for. it's probably a little different um i don't we've done a lot but i don't want to miss things i don't mm. want to miss not doing something i'm um, my dna kind of for my mind the way it works is i get set on a vision and what I think is right and sometimes it's not 100% right. Mm. And I, I could maybe work too hard or do something just because that's what I believe. And then later on I reflect and go, you know, I wasn't, that wasn't 100% right. So I don't want to miss these later years. I don't, I don't, you don't, ha I, we don't have another 40 years. I don't think I have another 40 years left to go and do things over again. So. I want to be calculated and thoughtful and slow down a little bit mm -hmm. to make sure whatever that is, whether it's travel, um, I would be happy, but I wouldn't be happy if, if I missed something that I needed to have done with Janie. Mm -hmm. Well, with that being said, and priority for us is family. Mm -hmm. And because we are the wonderful, we, are, we have wonderful granddaughters. And yes. we have been so blessed to become grandparents. Mm -hmm. And I think... As grandparents, you know so much more about people and what is really important. To be able to embrace that and do that well together is extremely important to us. Mm -hmm. You know, I was with McKinley and Dawson <clears throat> last night, yeah. and McKinley looked at me. We were in her little reading nook. I'd been there with Dawson playing, and then Dawson left, and McKinley came in, so I had one-on-one -on -one time with both of them. And Alex was at the farm, so he missed this moment. But what was beautiful is McKinley looked at me. She's playing kind of independently, but she knows I'm watching and just enjoying her. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me. She said, you're going to come back tomorrow, right? And, you know, I just don't want to miss mm -hmm. those beautiful opportunities because it's fleeting. And when you're a parent and you have a 10 and a 12-year-old, you know how quickly it goes by. When you have a 26 and a 31-year-old, it's just fleeting. Mm. And to not miss those moments. So... Living life with family together and not missing those moments is extremely important to us. Oh my gosh, that is, that just gave me literally chills all over because um, I am realizing now, you know, it seems like for me, you know, my kids are still young, but um, it seems like they were babies yesterday. I mean, when I really sit down and think, they're, they're 10 and 12 now, but just to think about 12 years ago, you know, how fast that went. And... I get in this cycle of just going and going and doing and doing. 
And I, I'm, I'm kind of, especially during COVID, I find myself just really like caught in my head and trying to do a lot just to stay busy. Um, but the, the thing that you talked about, just slowing down and being present in the moment, is that something that you think comes with experience and age? Because I, I've, I, I constantly try to do it, but I, I struggle with it, you know, just staying in the moment and appreciating that we are here right now. We're here, you know, together. And when my kids are here, you know, I want to give them my full attention. But it's hard. Like, it is. did you find that when, I, when you guys, when you were working and when you were at home with the children and they were young? Was it, did well, it let me slow just say this. You have to be very intentional. And Darren was so gracious. We cried. We wept. We listened to her podcast with mm -hmm. her holding her hand for the first time with together. And I just have to say, we were not perfect parents. So this isn't by any stretch. She actually gave us a little bit more. She's so honoring. Yeah. She's so honoring. Yeah. God bless you, Darren. Yeah. Um, I think just being intentional, you have to. And that, I told Alex this morning that he is my greatest advisor. Mm. And I think that's what we are for one another. So we keep mm. each other grounded. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really listen yeah. to him, and he really listens to me. And I think it's extremely important to have that. If you don't have it in a spouse, to have it in a friend. Yeah. To have a mentor, somebody in your life that will remind you. And it's just journaling. You know, all these different things that you can do to just keep yourself present and in the moment. Yesterday with McKinley, it was just a mo in the moment, pre present, mm -hmm. beautiful thing. And it was simple, but it was real and, and it's memorable. Yeah. Those are the most memorable things to me, are those moments that you weren't in a hurry. And yeah. unfortunately, when you're a mom, and I would imagine even a single mom, you're going to be in a hurry a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's prioritizing, right? What is really important to me right yeah. now? Yeah. What do I need to do? What do I have to do? What do I want to do? You know, how to take care of myself, put my own oxygen mask on, but absolutely, you know, what can I put aside right now in my life yeah. to be present? Mm. You know, for me as a, as a man, um, there's such a sense of responsibility and mm -hmm. uh, providing and, um, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, it's not what you say, it's what you do. And I've always said that's a little bit of a fallacy to just, you know, assume that you can be quiet and act out your life and your kids will get it. Well, that's, I don't know who came up with that, but that's, mm -hmm. that's not 100% true. I think that having communication and having intentionality, um, but oftentimes being a dad is incredibly scary mm -hmm. I mean it's incredibly scary I didn't have a perfect dad so I know how to work I know how to work really 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 hard but mm -hmm. I don't know that I could have conversations that I needed to have or prioritize things or um, so being able to tell others other men other younger men uh, hey make sure that you spend this kind of quality time and it's gonna go it's gonna be fleeting and that's what you'll remember. You won't remember that other, that next deal or that other job that you did. It won't matter and you'll never remember it, but you'll, you'll remember the times you spent with your kids and the things that you did. So I think it's a responsibility. I didn't have someone like that. Um, I worked a lot. I looked at guys that spent time prioritizing family and friends and talking about all the, you know, the little league baseball games they've been to and what have you I kind of looked at them a little bit like 
you're supposed to be working. You did all those things. <laughs> I did some of it. I didn't, did do, I didn't do enough of it. I just didn't value it. For me, um, I don't know. There's, we can go deeper into my issues, but <laughs> don't have to, I guess. You're pretty amazing. As, oh, as a I man. love that. Just being in the moment and being present and just being aware of that. Um, and being present with each other, it seems like you are so, the connection is like something you don't see a lot. Um, and, and, and I'm sure, like you said, it, it hasn't been perfect and life is life, life gets lifey and, you know, and it's just how you guys balance it. Um, uh, Jamie, oh, I've got a list of questions for you too. Um, what gives you strength, what gives you strength and motivation in life? Like what, now, like what is your, what is your... Driving force? Yeah, yeah. Faith. 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 Mm. Mm. I am Jane the Baptist. <laughs> well, I say that because my middle older brother called me that growing up. Well, in my teens, by the time I really fell in love with the Lord. And I would say that the best way to describe that is to say that uh, we were at dinner in Knoxville with a, a gentleman who made a statement. And it, it solidified in a very simple way what, what drives me. And motivates me. I do not want who I am at the end of my life to meet who I could have been. Mm -hmm. I really hope that when my the end of my life comes, that who I see I could have been, I, I, ref, I reflect a good strong image of who that is. And it's not something that I can do in my own flesh. Mm -hmm. It is not something I can do in my own power. So, you know, you ask a legacy that we want to leave. I, I pray that my faith is something that my grandchildren, my children, my grandchildren to a thousand generations mm -hmm. will say, you know what, Emma and Papa loved the Lord and everything that they did really was from that overflow of his love to them and the reality of that love in their marriage, in the way that they love us. The other thing that I want to say is when McKinley and Dawson see one of us and don't see the other, they feel, you can just tell it's not quite right for them. They think of us as one person. Yeah. And that's a neat thing. That is very That's neat. a really I neat thing. I didn't think about that. Yeah. It's, they want to see us together. Us, yeah. 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 Anyway, I think, did I answer your question? That is so beautiful. Yes. And the spirit, you're a philanthropist. You're big in ministry, which is, can you talk a little bit about that too? Because I think that, that goes into the faith thing and, and giving back. That's kind of where my life shifted is when I got really big on my higher power and my faith and, and um, the giving back and the service work. Um, so I want to know about that part, too. Okay, I'll try to be succinct. <laughs> I would say that, you know, raising my children was a priority to me. I actually retired from a career to be very hands-on, especially after my youngest was born, because mm -hmm. I felt like it was hard for me to do both. Some people can do that. I was able, Alex was supporting us, and I was able to do that. We made that decision that seemed to be the best choice for us. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I was very busy. I was in Bible studies and did all those things while they were in school, but I was not, you know, that, that was, they were my focus. As we became empty nesters, 
you know, you start to look for what is it that I'm supposed to do now? Because I know I'm not supposed to just shop and watch TV and read books and just get together with my friends for lunch. Those are all great things. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's more. And I've, you know, I've been through life. I've had some difficulties. We've overcome some things in our marriage uh, beautifully and become stronger. And the more blessings that I have, the more I want to give. You know, that's just that overflow. And we, on the west side of Atlanta, had been introduced probably 10 years ago because a neighbor of ours that I knew as an acquaintance was evicted from her home. I was going to a moms and prayer group and all of her things were sitting out on her front lawn. And I said to myself, I'll go by after prayer. And I felt very convicted to go by. Now I pulled up, talked to a friend of this acquaintance in our neighborhood who said, yes, Shirley was evicted from her home. And I hope it's okay that I said her name, but. Yeah, and then Janie calls me and I had driven by and I had seen it. I was on the phone, again, focused on work. And I get to work and I get an email from the Homeowner Association, not about the person, but about how ugly everything looked and how bad the neighborhood mm -hmm. was and how they were working to get rid of all that stuff and clean it up. Never once did they mention that there was a person involved. Mm -hmm. And Janie calls me and says, did you see Shirley's uh, house? And I embarrassingly was like, yes, I drove by. I was on the phone working. And she said, we have to do something about it. And so immediately, long story short, less than two weeks, all of her stuff is in our garage and in our house mm -hmm. and in our lake house. <laughs> and Janie is running her down well, to the City I, of we, Refuge. We knew about City of Refuge, and I will tell you, we were so impressed because everything that they said they would do, they did for Shirley, including wanting to take her in, but she, she found another place to live. But they helped her with medical and dental and psychological and vision. And I was so impressed yeah. that I knew that this would be a place that I would want to give my time, talent, and treasure mm -hmm. when my youngest graduated from high school. Mm -hmm. And you know, there were opportunities and fast forward, Seven years ago, eight years ago, we were on our way to the gathering, which is a fundraiser at City of Refuge, and Alex, being the real estate guy that he is, he is driving down the road. It's really hard for me to tell it's, a story without us being yeah. involved because we've been so involved that we will probably... Interject. Yeah. Yes. It's, so it's yeah. 6, 6.30 in the afternoon. It's the west side. It's, if you've ever been there, it's like nowhere you've ever been, and you know a lot of homelessness and people on the streets and... Um, Drugs. Dilapidated houses. And so we're driving towards it. And um, we get right to the City of Refuge. There's a yellow building that was a two-story. And I'm looking at it and I said, I can't believe that somebody hasn't done something about this. You know, it was almost like I had entered a, a world that I knew existed, but uh, it was being a reality to me. And I looked over and Janie said, you're in real estate. Why don't you do something about it? And I said right, it kindly. She did, but, <laughs> but at that moment, at that moment, it was about a 30-second vision that God gave me that was so clear that said, this is the city of the city of refuge. The people here will be healed. People will come. Uh, and I saw a migration of people coming uh, to from all over to get healed, and then they would become the EMS. They would become the public uh, uh, servants that would take care of the ground and so on and so forth. Anyways, and that cast a vision of... You saw this yes. when you were looking at the... We, we you got a vision. We were you going to a fundraiser, potential. and I had this vision, and then it, I came to a reality, and I said, well, 
really me? I'm a one-man show. How am I going to do this? And from that moment forward, I mean, we could do a whole entire podcast on the, the, the revelations and the things that God put together, but it was one after the other, after the other, after the other. It was, it was like looking at the impossible and then watching step unfold before step, next step, and I couldn't make it up. And in fact, I would come home and I would always say, I can't make this up. And Janie finally said, well, you just stop saying that. But it was literally almost every day that one thing would link to the other. We did a 100-acre master plan, created it, started acquiring real estate. There's a whole chapter that we could be, a whole book could be written on what was done and, and how God came and put provided and put all this together. I can't make it up. It's succinct. It's detailed. And that's a whole other story. But uh, mm-hmm. that got our hearts. Janie... Uh, actually, Darren and, and Chase and... Uh, so we ended up... This is one of the most beautiful pieces of this. Yeah, when we went to the gathering, they were opening a safe house to rescue people coming out of anything to do with uh, sex trade. Mm-hmm. But it was particularly human trafficking. And we wanted to be involved in that. We knew immediately that that was something that we could really be involved in. And not to get too much into the past, but we had put money towards a person who said they needed some things at Christmas time. And Alex even went to the point where he shared with our son, Chase, he set Darren and Chase down when they were teenagers. We're going to have a little less Christmas this year because we want to give elsewhere. And we were keeping this to ourselves. This is not a brag. This is really as part of the story. We'd really not done that before. But what happened was Chase is playing the guitar and he goes, yeah, dad, I get it. We're not going to get as much this Christmas because we're going to give to other people. And we were leaving the over. church. <laughs> so it's Christmas. It's right after um, right after Christmas, right? It was Christmas time. Yeah, it was Christmas time. And so this time of year. We're leaving the church, and as I'm walking past the pastor, I see this person. I won't mention anything else. With with family, and uh, and I'm pretty excited to be able to tell my son Chase, hey, look, this is who we helped, and so. We, come, we go by, we sit in a truck. I have a 2000, uh, 1998 Ford Explorer with 250,000 miles on it. This isn't that long ago. I'm the guy that will run a car to the ground and just, I don't care what car I drive. I just, and he's going to eat it. And I'm going to eat it, make <laughs> soup out of it. And so I'm proud of that, right? Like, like, I'm, like, like I'm showing. And so Chase gets in the car and I'm telling him the story. And here comes these people, the family, the family and Right next to us is a Range Rover, a beautiful brand new Range Rover, and they get into that car. And Chase slaps <laughs> the wind, the, the front of the car goes, ah, I told you, ah, he's laughing. And I'm so embarrassed, and I made a commitment at that point that I would never ever feel that shame or guilt to give away money or help people, and that I would only do it if I was involved. If Hands I am feet. going to be involved and I can make a difference and I can, and I can direct the, 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 the outcome, then I am totally fine. I have yeah. influence. Yeah. I will do that. And then I read a couple of books that really transform and even galvanize that thinking further uh, about charity and charity detox and toxic charity and how harmful charity can be. So we won't talk about that now, but that's all part of the story that God created. And so finished with So the, we circle uh, around. We know we want to be involved in this. We know these this is the place that we want to give our time, talent, and treasure. And that's a big that's a buzzword at City of Refuge. And I love that <clears> because it really kind of it, it clarifies everything. Treasure, time, and talent. 
and treasure and your, talent. Your giftedness, your money, and your time. Those are really what we have to give, right? And I actually think that our time is our greatest commodity because it's, you know, I think really our valuable. giftedness is amazing how God can use it. So we end up giving money. It's at the end of the year. And just so happens Brett was traveling, our wonderful son-in-law, and Darren was with us, and Chase was with us. It was because it was this time of year. And we ended up uh, going to the City of Refuge to deposit the check, and we're all together, and we're standing with Bruce Deal, who is the founder. founder, pastor of City of Refuge, and he has the most amazing story. Maybe one day you can do a podcast with him. <laughs> anyway, bottom line is we're standing, we circle hands. Alex says, has anybody prayed in this space? We're standing in the space that's going to be the human trafficking rescue. And Alex said, has anybody prayed here? And it's, at this point, it's kind of sticks. It's not really even yeah. finished. And we hold hands with our children and Bruce and Alex, and we say a prayer in that front room. And it was, I honestly believe something shifted in the atmosphere at that moment. And it was this call on my life that just totally transformed me. And I thought when I was called to do this, first, my father had passed away. I was devastated when my dad died. I said, I'm sitting on the front row of life. I'm not missing anything anymore. And if, if I'm asked to do something, I feel led to do it, I'm going to do it. Afraid, afraid, whatever, I'm going to go do it, no matter what it is. And Bruce asked me if I would come and just sit with their first group of people in that house. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? I don't have, I, what, I don't, what, what do I have to give these women? But I went and I was excited about it. And I fell in love. And I would actually tell you that I, and it's true, and Alex could attest to this, those women, and I've met over 750 in the last seven years, and their influence on my life, they're my friends, and they are beautiful women, and they, I've learned so much, I believe I've learned so much more from them and been blessed so much more by them than anything I could ever bring, that it just, it fills my love tank. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. a second runner to the, my family. The, the, <laughs> the neat part of that story is the very first... Um, a person that stayed, that was rescued, stayed in that room that we prayed that in. That we prayed in and that we supported because yeah. we, that was what we did. We supported that. We furnished that room, yeah. you know, so it was really special to us. Yeah. So it's just all the whole process. So Jenny was working on the inside and I was working on the outside, kind of, I, I like to say kind of a, like a sniper. Really did not want real any estate. real estate sniper. Um, and that doesn't sound right. No, no, no. Well, I, the, the, I mean that in a sense that nobody knows something has happened. You know, something gets taken out, yeah. something happens. Yeah. People don't know why it happened, but that was the role. And so started that acquisition of real estate, and uh, we did an amazing, you know, put together mm -hmm. of all that, and God just kept providing certain um partners and uh, money and vision and and when we would doubt ourselves confirmed. and are we really doing are we making a yeah. difference because we would doubt ourselves at times you know is this what we're supposed to be doing yeah it was the, thing, so, the so things that would show up and there's stories we can't i mean we will never we would never ask you would not be able to ask us another question because we could stay on this forever this was totally <laughs> unexpected. I'm sitting out here with a lump in my throat. I want to either just cry, and it's just that that spirit and that the way that it came together, and with you visualizing it like something came over you and you were able to see it. Had that happened to you before? Like, had you had that experience? I call those like God moments where it's just like you're out of your body and he's in So, your so I think I. I'd learned quickly, quicker and quickly to, to trust God. So it became a fun 
adventure where I could be driving and he'd say something and I, and I would think that is the craziest thing ever and I would do it. And something as bizarre as picking up the phone and calling the chief of police uh, for the city of Atlanta the day after the Super Bowl, sending him a text and he responds back and says, I'll call you back in 15 minutes. And sure enough, he's calling me and I'm like, who am I to call the head of chief? And it was moments after moments. There was a couple of stories, one that I'll let Jane tell, but one confirmation. We, we, have, when, we can go forever. That's the great thing about it. <laughs> When, when, I have to be at work tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> one quick confirmation moment for me was, um, and God has always talked to me in real estate terms. Seems like He just presents things that go together because that's my language. So I think that's how He speaks. So it's August. I'm driving to work, and Janie calls me in the morning, and we prayed together, and she's reading scripture. But at this time, we we're praying together, and all of a sudden, I hear Nazareth. In my head and I was like why Nazareth and I'd ask God to tell me how much what where was I supposed to focus my time I mean you can't focus on the entire west side of Atlanta I needed to have some focus because it's too big so I've been wondering what that was and he planted this seed of Nazareth in my head I kept driving went to work a week later we're in the kitchen it's Saturday and we have a, an app for real estate that you can measure you can calculate square miles and square footages and so I'm sitting there and I thought, let me try this. So I start going down the street, pinpointing what I think is, I had looked up how big Nazareth was and it's like 5.693 square miles, something like that. You can look it up in Wikipedia. And so I thought, okay, that's interesting. Let me see. So I do it once and it, and it came out to like 19 square miles. I was like, hey, okay, God, I need help. So I go back and I do it one more time, just one more time. Again, you're drawing lines down the middle of the streets and around whatever yeah. and it came into 5.694 or something like that literally one one hundredth of a of a of a fraction off and i was like this is amazing so i took a frame i can send it to you i, can, I took a picture snapshot of that and kind of let it go and about a year later a year and a half later i thought i wonder how big of a difference that was it was 264 square feet difference <laughs> That's the size of a shed. And I figured that Wikipedia is wrong and God is right with the number that he gave me. So you can't do that twice. Right, right, I mean, you right. cannot draw a hundred little pinpoints around a map and come up with 264 square feet of difference. That's a curb. And so those are confirmation. And then we had a weren't you the Chick-fil-A oh I, you know this yeah. is where you go and you sit with people and you're just with people and you're being present and these are women that are detoxing because a lot of times there's drugs involved and I've, every every story is so unique there's never two that are exactly the same just being with and loving and bringing hope and sometimes you doubt you know that what you what, I wanted to do more I always wanted to do more <clears throat> and I'm sitting in there this is one of those doubting times and the house manager, the house mom, had said, we got a new woman, you're gonna love her, I can't wait for you to meet her, but she's detoxing right now. And bottom line is, shortly after that, she came out and we were talking about, uh, I'm a Chick-fil-A wife, because Alex retired, uh, he graduated from Chick-fil-A <laughs> a couple of years ago. And I, I had the blessing of being able to take the ladies to corporate headquarters and, and bless them and pamper them and yeah. they would have lunch and Alex would come in and we would be able to speak to them as a couple, give them hope. 
it was just a great experience. So the, I was known as the Chick-fil-A wife. So I'm telling stories and we're, you know, talking to the ladies and this woman comes out and she said, she said, I'm so excited to meet you. Fast forward, long story short, we're talking and she said, I was a Chick-fil-A wife. This is me doubting. Do I have, is this where I'm supposed to be? Yeah. And we started talking about something that we had experienced corporately together and a place that we had been together through those years. And I actually, we crossed paths. And I just was so speechless and in awe, but loving this woman and just seeing her successful future of whatever she's come through. And without saying too much, I'll just tell this part of the story. Alex is kind of questioning his life and this, you know, because you, you, you go and you go and you go and then all of a sudden you, 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 you there's, am, there's, I, am I really making a difference? Yeah. So you want to tell your part of it? Well, the details, <laughs> this woman, Janie, comes back and tells me that she's had this encounter and she tells me the story of what happened. So we'll keep that private, but she had two children. They were very little. Little babies. And... Her family was trying to help her, and they put her into a, um, a she, place to get better. She was mentally very... Well, she lost her husband. Her husband passed away. And this was the, this was the catalyst to this depression that she entered into. And this was what tra- the trajectory that sent her where she was at House of Cherub. Yeah, there's a whole years of what happens to her and, and, and how she ends up there. And so fast forward about a year after this instance with this encounter with the Chick-fil-A wife story. And I am uh, working on the West Side. I've got, uh, I've orchestrated a gathering of a bunch of young men from a all-male school, um, African-American. And I'm having it at Chick-fil-A. It's on a Friday afternoon. The people that I've, I have uh, orchestrated with uh, missed the appointment. And so I'm literally a one-man show trying to encourage these young men. And I had done it before. I'd spoken at the school before, but this was, I wanted it to be more. And so it's about 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm done with it. I feel like, God, am I just fooling myself? I mean, do I just tell myself that I really matter, that I'm doing something that's going to make a difference in anybody's life? And I'm really questioning. And I, as I, and I walk in, in the back of, the, of Chick-fil-A, the, the warehouse, and the, uh, ca- into the cafeteria. And just as I walk in, I see these two young men from A Better Way Ministry. And they always wear a purple shirt from A Better Way Ministry. And it's a whole other story there. With Another the ministry Way. we have. It's a, a men's ministry. And, and about, about 150 men, and they're coming through life-controlling issues. And so, mm-hmm. so I'm sitting there, and there's two guys. And uh, I walk up to them and say hello, because I'm, I'm associated with them. And we start talking, and one of the men say, uh, says to me, he says, uh, my dad was uh, Chick-fil-A, was with Chick-fil-A. And I said, he was? He goes, yes. And he starts to tell me the story. And it just happens that that is the little boy that was abandoned by his mom mm. oh 18 gosh. years prior, and he is telling me this. And I am, and I am just beside myself. I said, you mean to tell me that that is your mom? Yes. And then he starts to tell me, how proud of her she is because she's gone through a program and she's now fully graduated and and he said I am on my way to be you know success and on and on and on he's getting his life totally in order and and at that point you you just stop questioning because this is right the odds of that, to be. I mean the odds of her having met the mom and in a year plus later meet meet the son on a Friday afternoon 
by the ice cream machine Amazing. or whatever I met you him can't. at. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> I mean, you can't orchestrate this. This is all. Had you kept in touch with the mother, or you knew her when her? Well, at the point, there. okay. So in the beginning of House of Cherith, it was just a transitional home, and that was why now there are six houses, and there are extended um, programs, programs. Eighteen. They can be twelve to eighteen month programs. And again, you need to talk to Kelsey and Bruce on this because. I volunteer there and I'm part of this, but this is their passion, their heart, and it's such a beautiful, just to be able to come alongside and participate in any way. So no, basically she left and went on to another program and graduated and did really well. And that was, you know, part of the encouragement. You know, you, you, you are part of something mm -hmm. in the foundational stages to plant seeds and be a part of the blessing. And you just get to see what else God does. So, but yeah, and the women now, yes, I keep in touch with because the programs are extended and it's a seven year stint now, you know, you, that we've been involved and, uh, you take them to, well, yeah, yeah they, we, t I take them twice a year to the beach and, uh, that's just a really yeah. special time, special. but we do Bible studies every Friday and they love it. I, I, I would tell I know you, they, love they you. absolutely I, love it and they yeah. know the word and they know God and they, yeah. they, they so bring talented. so much and they're so talented and so bright so and so wonderful. And I learned so much more from them. You know, their mm -hmm. life's experiences have been really rough and but they have hope and, and their hope and their future is so bright because we know that they're going to come through this and the ministries that are birthed through them, mm -hmm. they're going to have a voice that only they could have for people that need to hear what they've been through and what they've overcome. Yeah. It's just encouraging to be a small part of this. Wow. Life transforming. Yeah, it really is. I mean, just hearing that, but you're giving them a voice because I know the confidence and everything has probably been crushed. And to see somebody, I mean, I just think of the first time I, I met you and you're just this, um, you're, you're automatically just a beautiful, like, human. I feel like I, you know, just a, uh, honest, you know, pure person. And giving these women that hope um, when they probably have everything crushed is has to do something for you. I mean, do you find that in um, that type of service work, it's helping you more than them, that it's giving you well, more than them? I, I have so much joy. I, the yeah. word to describe it is joy. I go joy. in there with joy. Yes. I prepare with joy. <laughs> I leave with joy because yeah. I'm seeing lives transformed. And yeah. I get to be a part of that. I get to be a cheerleader. I really believe that probably my greatest gift is encouragement, yeah. you know, to encourage people and to speak forth life yes. and love and Absolutely. faith and goodness. Yeah. And I have to say this to you, Jen, because I loved you immediately and I did and I'll tell you why. Because Darren very endearingly said to me, she goes, Mom, Jen reminds me a lot of you. And it was such a sweet thing for her to say to me. And as I met you and I saw your vibrant personality, I was so complimented by that. So I just want to return that to you. Thank you so much. And just say, I, I just thought that was really sweet. I think that my, you know how much my daughter thinks of me because you've, and just to hear her say that about you was just a really, it was just fun. Well, thank fun. you so much. I love that. This has been so beautiful because, um, it's just taught me a lot right now, but um, I've got so many questions. Can we just keep on going on? Are you guys? No, we're fine. Okay. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, maybe you can make you this two podcasts. <laughs> um, 
Oh, I love that so much. So tell me a little bit. So this place is downtown. Mm-hmm. Joseph and then, E. Boone. What is, what is the name of it? It's Joseph E. Boone, City of Refuge. City of Refuge, okay. It's and been so around they have 20 years. More than one location? Or it's this well, one location? They, are, they're they have grown. Really taking it. This is, this is a template that's being encouraged in other cities across the United States, which is really wonderful. So they probably have five or six. And the big difference is this is a collective impact is the term. You can look it up. It's, it's, uh, it's rather than one nonprofit working on one area, they work on a broad spectrum to get folks to the right place. So whether it's health, wellness, education, um, they have a culinary, uh, culinary arts, arts school. And they have a Napa, Napa Auto Parts school. Providing uh, transitional housing because no one can come from homelessness to market rate homes. So you have to have a transition, and then all of that is part of the part of this ecosystem that long ago people looked at. Don't do that. Focus, and this is really the solution. It's called collective impact, where everybody comes along, does their part, their giftedness, and making sure that people are working towards that goal and 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 it's just a lot more efficient and nonprofits aren't competing for the same dollar they're more intentional mm-hmm. so it's a it's it is a template that is being replicated across the country they probably have five or six different cities of refuge now wow that is so i, I want to look more into that that's so great. Okay, Alex, I didn't know this until a, a few months ago when Darren told me you're an immigrant from yes. Cuba. You came here when you were eight? I, I did. So um, actually on the 11th of December, uh, which was two days ago, yeah. uh, celebrated 52 years of being in the United States. So the story is actually, I, I came here as a Cuban refugee. So communism, escaping communism. Uh. Um, the United States had um, allowed uh, for freedom flights and, and uh, refugees to come into America under a, I, think, I guess it was Kennedy that uh, established that. And, uh, and so Castro takes uh, uh, over in 59. I'm born in 1960. Uh, in 62, my, my dad puts in to leave. And so once you declare that you're not a communist, um, you basically become an, kind of an indentured, indentured uh, servant of the, of the state. You don't get paid, you have to work, my, immigrant farms and, and so on. Um, so it's, uh, I'm now eight years old. We had put in to leave in 62. By the way, it's going to sound terrible, but once you say you're not a communist, then the slang word you become is a maggot. That was called a gusano, which meant you were basically a maggot. And so um, you go to, you know, I was in school, I was in third grade. The um, neighbor who oversaw the comité, which is the committee that observes people, if you do anything bad, they turn you in so they can arrest you or what have you. She came in and said, it's time for you to go. She pointed at me, I know exactly where I was, I still remember her, she pointed, she said, it's time for you to go. I went to, I didn't go by my house, I left to my grandmother's house, I met my brothers and sisters. I'm one of five kids. My dad had been working on a migrant farm in Havana, so we had to wait an extra day for him to get there. And then we all assembled and left at six, around 6 p.m. Someone drove us to Havana, to the airport. And uh, we pretty much said goodbye to everybody. We knew we wouldn't see our grandparents again or family members. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at eight years old, 
living in communism, living under fear. You don't really understand when somebody says you're going to the airport, if you're really going to an airport or if you're going to go get killed or something. And so um, we got in a car, we went to the airport and then spent the night there. They interrogated my, my, my dad and, um, you know, trying to get him to provoke, provoke him so that they could do something to keep him there. Um, but we made it through that and then we took a, a Eastern Airline flight the next morning around nine. I remember it was a prop plane. Uh, I was on a window seat next to my mom and, and then uh, the, there were stewardesses there with the scarves and the old fashioned hats and stuff. And so we... Uh, you had we, your first Coca-Cola. Yeah, they gave us the Coca-Cola and they were smiling and everybody was extremely somber. Again, I didn't have any understanding of what was going to happen. But I remember... <clears throat> Sorry. Happens every time. <clears throat> I, I remember the pilot coming on and saying that we were now over international waters. And, uh, and, and then everybody cheering and, and laughing and hugging each other and crying. Um, there we were now free. And so we got to Miami and uh, it was, you know, we went through, got our vaccinations and so on. And the neat part of, this, part of the story is my dad was asked if he wanted um, welfare or food stamps or anything like that. And he, he looked at the officer and he said, no, sir, um, all I need is my freedom. And so he never, we never took a, any kind of uh, assistance from the federal government and um, got to work uh, right away. And there's a lot more to that story that, you know, creates a lot of my character, but uh, that's how I got here. So the funny part of this story, which I'll tell you, is um, so you look at the opportunities in America that I was a Cuban refugee. I did get a Social Security number when I was like in fifth grade or something. Um, I end up uh, playing high school football. I end up getting a football scholarship. I go to, to a university. I went to Eastern Kentucky. I uh, full ride. Captain of your team. Captain of the team. Four na went to four national championships. One, two. Went undefeated my senior year, 13-0. and 0, um, And I never lost a home game. Was captain for two years. I uh, was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, All-century team. Married a former Miss, George Miss Georgia. Mm -hmm. Former Mrs. Georgia. A beautiful girl. I've had I had two kids. I'd worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I'd worked at... I'd now been hired at uh, Chick-fil-A as the guy to expand the freestanding concept. And I had a second child, and my mother-in-law says, uh, do you maybe want to consider getting your citizenship? <laughs> because because you, if things get rough, they may send you back to Cuba, and I'm going to be here with my grandchildren without their dad. And this is 20-some-odd years? Well, 68 to... To 2000, to uh, 95. No, no. 68 to yes. 95. Yes. So Can you yeah, believe 68 that? 68 to 95. I'm, I'm a Cuban <laughs> refugee. I have traveled to Germany. I've been all over Germany. I've been back in America. I have done everything I can possibly do. It has never been a challenge for me. America being, being, has been good to you. So, so I take her... <laughs> America's been very, very good to me. So I, I take... My mother-in-law's advice, I, uh, I'm dressed in a, in a coat and tie, and I go to the immigration department in the city of Atlanta, and 
I walk up to the front desk and I tell the lady, I said, ma'am, I'm here to get my citizenship. And she looks at me, she goes, you're kidding me, right? I said, no, ma'am, I'm here to get my citizenship because I don't have an accent. And then she goes, wait a minute. So she goes back and gets her supervisor and this gentleman by the name of Alan McManus comes out and goes, what do you, what do you mean you don't have a citizenship? I said, no, sir, I've been here for however many, 20, 30 years. And uh, he said, well, we're going to take care of this. So he literally was so polite. And that's probably the story of my life of these incredible people that have always come alongside of me and have almost like these guardian angels. I can tell you of several of them in my life that have come alongside and have walked me through and helped me when I most needed it. And uh, of course, Janie's one of them. She stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But there's just so many stories of, of incredible people in America that just either because of my effort or my sincerity, but He's there's, cute. there's never been anyone <laughs> that has ever looked down upon me for being uh, an immigrant or a minority. Mm-hmm. If anything, they have, I've been more encouraged by being that than anyone else. So I'm in, a, in an interesting place in today's societal situation where I am an immigrant, I am a minority, yet I've had and the most amazing life that I could ever, uh, ever even describe. And uh, so anyway, I, I went way beyond. Mm, Jen, uh, there's, there's so many more pieces to that story, but yeah. it has it, it definitely shaped who I am as a person, mm-hmm. uh, having come to America. And uh, the, the, the value of freedom, mm. If, 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 if you've you never have, had it and you had to stand in line and you, it's been taken away from you, you can understand why, why men died in World War II and why people would sacrifice and give everything because it's about the next generation, right? And, and you said what wakes you up, you know, what motivates you. For me, I think sitting around and complaining about things doesn't do any good. But if you want to make a difference, you should step out in, in faith and go do something, go fix something, go help somebody. And, and for me, knowing that there's social issues, I, I don't want to turn these over to my granddaughters and said, and be able to look at them and say, well, I didn't do anything about it. At least I want to try. Even if I fail, I want to try. I want to try the unorthodox. I want to try what no one's ever done. And God continues to show up and say, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. So, anyway, that's enough of my story. I think that's a great <laughs> note to end on. Yeah. Ooh, I mean, how do we do Top anything that. from that story? Exactly. Thank you for sharing that. that. Thank it's you for my pleasure. I, I will tell you that I, I, I never tire of hearing him tell this story, mm-hmm. and it's, it's always so a blessing for everyone who hears it. Yeah, I'm so glad that we have that, too, here on this recording. I am completely lifted. This was a God thing that you guys are here. Um, You have given me strength and hope, and uh, you are very unique people. We need more people like you in the world, Um, and that's what this podcast is for. It's for people like you that are just, just trying to do the next right thing and make the world a better place. You know, those women, what a gift you are to them. 
Um, and it, it's been beautiful. I, I'm going to save my list. And will you guys come back? <laughs> we will. Like yeah. every week? No. <laughs> we will. We would, we love, would love to. We would love oh, to. Hopefully, love we it. will always have new stories to tell. Yes. Yes. I hope that you will because you are amazing people. And I just really, really thank you guys for being here today. It's been beautiful. So please come back. Thank you for being here. And, thank uh, you for having us. Yes, yeah. thank you so much for having us. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.